holy name. And thank you, wonderful musicians. And even with our musicians on the platform, we have representation from several, many different parts of the world. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'd like to ask you, please, church family, to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. And if perhaps you did not see the flag of the uh, country that you originated from, uh, fear not. Between now and next year, we would be happy for you to donate that flag. And we will have that flag up here on our next International Friendship Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. Psalm 149, verse 6 says, Let the praises of God be in their mouths. That's your mouth and mine. Psalm 71, verse 14 says, I will praise you more and more. Psalm 104, verse 1, Let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord my God, how great you are. Our theme is, let us praise the Lord. No matter where, where we were born, no matter what cultural background we have, no matter what religious background we have, no matter what racial background we are from, God inspires us and tells us to praise him. Amen? To honor him in beautiful ways. And so, in Psalm 28, in verse 6 and 7, there is a lovely summary in a, just a couple of verses here that says, well, why don't we read it indeed together from the big screen. Read it aloud. Praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. And to all of us here in the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Sanctuary and to our radio listeners and internet listeners, we invite you indeed to give wholehearted praise to the Lord. In the first part of this message last week, I invited you to focus your attention on this initial truth, which was praise the Lord because he hears our prayers. In verse 6, it says, he has heard my cry for mercy, which was a way of saying the Lord has heard my prayers. And then we also focused on and talked about the, the, the privilege that is ours to praise the Lord because he gives us strength. In verse 7, he says, the Lord is my strength. And now we want to move along, move along here in our scripture passage and today, in this part two section, I want to invite you to praise the Lord because he is our protector. The Lord is our protector. He is our shield. That's what verse 7 says. Verse 7, the first part, the Lord is my strength and what? Shield, shield. What is a shield? A shield was carried by soldiers. It was a broad piece of defensive armor carried on the arm. A shield protected. The shield protected and defended a soldier. That's what it did. Psalm 3, verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield 
around me. You're a shield around me. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is, the, is my fortress. Here it is. Protecting, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Psalm 5, verse 12. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them. Watch this, watch this. You surround them with your shield of love. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You surround them with your shield of love. It made me think of how anytime I take my little four-year-old grandson somewhere or I go and I take my little 16-month-old granddaughter uh, as we're walking along the street, there's a sense in which, in which I surround her and I surround him with my shield of love. And I will do anything to protect that little boy or that little girl. Psalm 7, verse 10 says, God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. Psalm 144, verse 2. He, the Lord, is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield, and I take refuge in him. Proverbs 2, verse 7. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Aren't those beautiful verses? Amen. I believe that many of us here, if we think back, we will, remember, we will remember times and events where you said to yourself something like you said, the Lord must have been protecting and shielding me or else I would have been very badly injured or killed. Amen? Even, even yesterday during, during our prayer and fasting time in the morning, one of our dear ladies shared a testimony of how she truly felt the Lord was protecting her when a situation developed where someone had a gun out and she was on the scene there. And then uh, others of you might say, the Lord must have been protecting me because if I had made the wrong decision, I'd be in deep trouble now. So we thank the Lord for the fact that he is our protector. He is our shield, as the Bible says. My friends, I really do believe that the Lord protects us in ordinary and extraordinary ways. At the same time, I, I believe the Lord wants you and me to use our good common sense and use our brains. Here's what I mean. Here's a little example. Last, last year, I was driving home from church. It was um, just after 11 o'clock. I think it was about 11.15 to be exact. And I was on the last road leading to our home. I was on the last stretch of the road and it was one of those evenings where it was extra dark for some reason. Uh, the street I was driving on had lights, but for some reason it was still dark. Uh, maybe the lights were out, I can't really recall. Furthermore, it was an evening when uh, there wasn't much light, if any, from the moon. There seemed to be a little mist 
a little mist, almost kind of a little fog along the street. And someone might have even said it was kind of spooky. As I drove along at about 40 kilometers per hour, I suddenly noticed two barely, barely visible people almost in the middle of the street walking in the same direction as I was driving. Pastor Lee said, come on up here. Come on up here, please. And they were just merrily walking along in this dark evening, just holding hands, walking along, <laughs> walking along. It's my excuse to hold my associate's hand. Don't be jealous, honey. Don't be jealous. <laughs> Thank you, pa Pastor Lisa. <laughs> All right. They, uh, they were dressed in black. They were dressed in black, and their images just blended into the darkness of the street such that you could hardly see them. Fortunately, even though it was after 11 p.m., I was still alert. It's a reminder of how we need to stay awake, stay alert. I was paying attention to the road, but if I had not been, I could have easily run over both of them. No kidding. Um, they were walking along the main traffic lane, even though, even though there were sidewalks on both sides of the road. Now, of course, they would not do this in Miami. They wouldn't do, people wouldn't do this in Miami. They wouldn't do it in Jamaica, brother, but, you know, <laughs> this is Toronto. I slowly, I slowly pulled up beside them, and I just kindly said, my friends. <laughs> Everyone's my friend, okay? I said, my friends, please, I don't mean to tell you what to do, but, but I'd like to suggest that you walk on the sidewalk. You are dressed in black, and it's very difficult for drivers to see you. I almost did not see you. I almost drove over you. It was a young couple, probably in their 20s, like, like Pastor Lisa. And uh, they said, surprisingly, they said, thanks. Thanks for talking to us. I slowly drove away, looking in my rearview mirror to see if they moved over to the sidewalk. I'm going to ask you two questions now. <laughs> Question number one. How many of you think the couple, don't answer yet, how many of you think the couple moved to the sidewalk? And question number two, how many of you think the couple just kept walking in the middle of the road? All right, so let me just have a, a show of hands here. Show of hands. How about one of my pastor friends from, uh, from Florida? Come on up, and you, you just, just, come on up, pastor. Let's have the senior pastor, all right? All right, so, brother, you, you, you're the judge here, all right? How many of you think the couple moved to the sidewalk after my little talk. Put your hand up. How many of you think they moved? <laughs> well, what's that, Pastor? What do you think? How many people uh, do you think that? Probably a dozen or less. A dozen. 
Okay, okay. All right, question two. How many of you think the couple just kept walking in the middle of the road? Wow. You don't have faith. You don't have faith in my motivation skills, do you? <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. Thanks. Well, to my surprise, to my surprise and joy, and I say surprise because many times I think what I say goes in one ear, out the other, and into the gutter, okay? But to my surprise, they actually, I saw this in my rearview mirror, they actually got off the road and continued their walk on the sidewalk. Isn't that good? And I didn't threaten them either. Okay? The city of Toronto statistics alone show 921 pedestrians were killed or seriously injured from 2011 to 2016. And for the last two years, there have been a lot more as well. Now, I wonder how many of those deaths or injuries could have been prevented simply by more people using a little good common sense that isn't so common? Hey? Here's another example. I drive a lot on Highway 401 and the Don Valley Parkway, usually going to various hospitals throughout the city to pray with and read scripture and encourage people of our church and those that you asked me to go see uh, to just pray with dear folks and encourage them and our other pastors do the same. Too often, too often when I've been on our highways, I have, I have come across minor accidents, what are usually referred to as fender benders. I come across the fender benders on the Highway 401 or Don Valley Parkway or Highway 404, wherever. And here is what is super scary. That minor accident happens, but then... In the middle of traffic on the highway, the busy highway, in the middle of that scene, I often see people have gotten out of their cars to look at the damage on their fender, to look at their damage and to exchange information in the middle of cars swishing by on the left and the right and other cars screeching their brakes to stop so that the big accident doesn't happen, which unfortunately sometimes does happen when uh, people are standing in the middle of the highway, not, not protected by any means. And the right thing to do, the right thing to do, my, my friends, is if ever you're involved in a minor accident or a fender bender, as they say, on the highway, uh, drive your vehicle safely to the nearest shoulder, to the nearest shoulder where you can more safely get out of the car and exchange information with the other driver or the other drivers. All right? Unless, unless your vehicle is on fire, usually do not get out of your vehicle in the middle of the live highway traffic. It is just too dangerous. I come upon this too often, and this is why I bring this up today. Something else to think about. Uh, before, before we just move on from this subject, 
I want to remind all of us parents and grandparents to repeatedly childproof our homes if we have little children. Since our two grandchildren were born, my wife and I have had to once again ask ourselves, what do we need to do so that our grandkids don't get hurt while visiting us? Many times I've been reminded that little children can surprise us. For instance, for instance, I thought, I thought that if we keep the boiled water and things like sharp knives up on the kitchen counter, up on the kitchen counter, our little grandchildren won't get burned and they won't get cut or hurt in some other way. Then one day I was in the living room and our little grandson Yanni was visiting. I can't remember exactly, but at that point he was probably one and a half or two years old. For sure, for sure, I thought he would not be able to, um, to reach anything on the kitchen counter. Then one day, I don't think he was, I don't think he knew I was watching. I saw this little guy, I saw this little guy push the kitchen chair over to the counter. And I watched him thinking, what's he up to? So he pushed the chair over the kitchen counter. Then with those little legs of his, I saw him just climb, climb up on the chair. He successfully got on the chair. And then he tried even harder to climb up on the kitchen counter. So he worked hard and he got up on the kitchen counter. He grabbed, he grabbed what he wanted. And then he, he shimmied himself or he just, he slid back on, on the chair as a little one and a half or two year old, however he was, got back on the chair and then he got from the chair onto the, the, the kitchen floor once again. And then I, I guess he, he, he didn't want to leave any evidence behind. <laughs> so he pushed, he pushed the chair back to the table. And then he went and sat underneath the kitchen table and played with, or whatever he had, whatever he got from the counter, he played with it and did whatever. But I watched, I watched that little guy do that and I thought, wow, my wife and I have to keep our eyes on this little guy anytime he's at our place. I, I, I didn't think he'd be able to reach anything on the counters but I saw it right in front of me, and I thought, wow, we have to watch it all the time when he's over. I mean, he's a wonderful little boy, and it's a joy having him, but again, I thought, we have to constantly make sure this little guy is safe. And now as his little cousin is growing up, she's, what, 16 months now? She's, uh, she's an even bigger little monkey, if I can put it like that. Uh, recently, I learned something very new, very new to me. Some of you maybe are aware of this. I was in the emergency department of one of our local major Toronto hospitals with an adult patient. After the emergency department doctor gave his diagnosis and was finished with the patient that I was with, 
uh, he had a few moments, and I just said, uh, Doctor, Doctor, in terms of children, in terms of children, are there any repeated emergencies that you tend to see here in your department? I always try to be informed so that I can caution uh, families in our church. And so I asked him, are there any repeated emergencies that you see in regards to children? I had no idea what he was going to say. He didn't, he didn't stop to think. He didn't have to stop to think. He immediately said, we see too many children with injuries caused by jumping on their trampolines either in their homes or in their backyards. I mention that today as a word of caution to those of you who have trampolines. Amen? Uh, the Workmen's Compensation Board would probably be pleased to have me mention the following incident. One day, I noticed one of our neighbors a few houses down from us had a company installing a beautiful interlocking brick driveway. How many of you have a beautiful interlocking brick driveway? Just put your hand up. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Oh, there are a bunch of you. There are... There are a bunch of you. That, that's great. They look great. Okay? Anyway, they, uh, they were installing this wonderful interlocking brick driveway. Do you have those things down in uh, Miami? Yes. Okay. Oh, you got one? All right. That's good. All right. Well, the driveway, the driveway was starting to look great, except that I noticed one of the workmen was cutting brick um, he was cutting brick to do the edging, to do the edges, and probably some of you have done this. The cutting blade, the cutting blade on the saw was, was doing a, a good job of cutting the brick. Dust from the cutting was flying up, but I had a major safety concern. I slowly walked over to the workman so as not to startle him, and uh, eventually he stopped the saw. And I said, sir, congratulations to you and your partner. Congratulations. You're doing a great job. It's looking beautiful. But, uh, but I, have, I have a big concern for your safety. Um, I said, to begin with, I want you to know I'm not. I'm not a city inspector. I'm a neighbor. But I, I noticed, I noticed you were cutting the brick with the saw and you are not wearing safety goggles. Safety goggles. I said, a piece of that brick can come flying off and blind you for life. It's very serious. Um, I said, I would hate, I would hate to hear that you got blinded by an accident that could easily have been prevented. If you would like to just wait a, a few minutes, I'd like to go to the Home Depot and buy you some safety goggles to help prevent an injury. His partner was working just a few meters away from us, and he said, way to tell him, sir, way to tell him, way to tell him, way to go. He has, he has safety goggles, but he's too lazy to put them on. That's what you call team support. <laughs> the workman I initially spoke to said, sir, you are right. I should be wearing my safety goggles. Thanks for caring. He went over to his truck, got, got his safety goggles, put them on, and then continued cutting the brick with the safety goggles on. As I, as I left, he gave me the 
thumbs up sign, the sign with a, a smile on his face. My friends, I really do believe Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. He is my shield, my protector. But I also believe the Lord wants you and me to be wise in protecting our children, our youth, and ourselves. Amen? Be encouraged. Be encouraged because the Lord is your shield, your protector. Do your best and trust the Lord for the rest. All right? Then I want to further praise the Lord because you and I can trust the Lord with our whole heart. This is our second truth today. You and I can trust the Lord with our whole heart. This truth is spoken of in the second half of verse 7, which says, I trust him, that is the Lord, with all my heart. All right, think with me. What can we trust him for? Rob, what can we trust the Lord for? Well, to begin with, those of you making notes, you can write an A. We can trust the Lord to supply all our needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I want us to notice that Philippians 4, verse 19 says, he will supply all your needs, not your greeds. Got it? All your needs, not our greeds. Then I want you to also notice point B. We can trust the Lord when he says he loves us. Psalm 13, verse 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. Point C, we can trust the Lord to have his presence with us. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, the Lord is speaking initially to Joshua, but also to us, and he says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you wherever you go. When you go into a hospital for surgery, he is with you. When you go into an interview for a job, he is with you. When you go, when you go to make this business transaction or that business transaction, he is with you. When you go through the joys of life or the challenges of life, he is with us. Think upon point D. We can trust the Lord when life does not make sense. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. Point E, we can trust the Lord to guide us. Proverbs 3, verse 6, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Think upon it. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Are you in the process of making an important decision? Seek his will in all you do, says the Bible verse, and he will direct you in the path you and I 
should take. Point F, we can trust the Lord to bless us, to bless us when we tithe, that is, when we give a tenth of our income to the Lord's work. Malachi 3.10 tells us, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. One of the most important lessons that I ever learned as a young Christian when I was a teenager was to begin to tithe was to begin to give at least a tenth of what I was earning to the local church that I was a part of at that time, Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene. I started to tithe because of the truth I heard from our pastor when he was preaching, and I started to tithe because one day my Sunday school teacher, my Sunday school teacher, who also I think at that time happened to keep a record of all the giving in the church, my Sunday school teacher came to me one day, Mr. Burridge, and he said, uh, he said, young man, Nick, here are tithing envelopes. You've got a summer job now, and you need to begin to give a tenth of what the Lord provides you with. And so from that day on, as best as I can recall, I began to give a tenth, a tithe, and a whole lot more across the years. And, and Whoever you are, if as yet you have not learned the privilege and the joy of giving, of tithing, I want to encourage you today to make a decision to begin to tithe, to begin to give. It will help you a great deal in your spiritual development. And it's amazing, it's amazing how 90% of what we uh, earn goes further when we give at least 10% of it to the Lord's work. Someone will say, how in the world does that turn out, Pastor Nick? All I can tell you is, it works. It works, and many of you can testify to it. Amen? And I want to thank the many of you who do tithe. Sometimes people from outside of our church will say, well, Pastor Nick, how much does the government give your church to help support your church? I laugh, I laugh. <laughs> I say, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Well, how does your church support itself? Through tithes and offerings. Well, do you have some bingos and bazaars? No, no, I said no. No, that's not God's way for a church to support itself. Through tithes and offerings. Thank you to those of you who are following this important biblical principle. Let's go to G. We can trust the Lord to save us from the consequences of our sins. We can trust him. For our salvation, Acts 2.21 says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And Romans 5a declares, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And Romans 5, 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Are you a friend of God today? This can be the day when you can begin to trust the Lord Jesus 
as your Savior to save you from the consequences of your sins. And the reason you and I can be saved is because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for people from Canada, from the U.S., from Jamaica, from the Grenadines, from Dominica, from Russia, from Asia, from British Isles, from Greece, from wherever. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. And Jesus has paid it all, all to him I owe and you owe. For he has paid the full price for all of our sins, no matter where we were born, no matter what heritage we have. And so, my friends, I want to ask you to bow your head now. Bow your head with me as Anthony plays. If as yet you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, if as yet you have not started to trust in Jesus as your Savior, as the one who saves you from the consequences of your sins, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me, would you? Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, we, we have heard these Bible verses where you have said that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I call on you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, adopt me into your family, and give to me the promise of heaven. Lord, on this wonderful Sunday, I dedicate my life to you. I commit myself to you. And I say, Lord, take control of my life. I want to be a true follower of Jesus. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I want to praise you. I want to praise you, Lord, for the salvation you have made possible for me. I praise you, O God, because I can trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.